You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to episode 30 of the Wisdom Cricket Weekly podcast. The World Cup is less than three weeks away, the IPL is over, and we now know who will be contesting the Lord's final exciting times. I'm Yaz Rana, and this week I'm joined by my fellow Wisdom hip young gunslinger, Ben Gardner. Hi Ben, how are you? I'm not too bad, Yaz, how are you? I'm really Bit good. Of cold. It's good to be in Canterbury though, I've never been here before. Yeah, really nice, so many stony walls, it's actually a really, really impressive yeah, very place. very pretty city. Yeah. Um, and the reason why we're here in Canterbury is because we're with Kent and Australia's Matt Renshaw, the first Test Match Centurion to appear on this podcast. That is a real accolade. Good well, to have you on. Me. Cheers. Um, another hip young gunslinger. Yeah, another hip young gunslinger. So let's get stuck in. Matt, what was your moment of the week? Uh, my moment of the week yesterday, I went to Craven Cottage and watched Newcastle Fulham. Um, <laughs> Newcastle won 4-0. I'm a Newcastle supporter, so that's why it was moment of the week. And I was videoing a corner and Newcastle scored when I was videoing it. So I've got my own personal video of goal. That's quite cool. Um, this is a cricket podcast. Um, uh, cricket. Any, any, any cricket happen in your life in the last week? Um, oh, we haven't played in the last week, but um, probably I watched Joss Butler's innings the other day. Yeah. And that was pretty special to watch. So He does it every single time, doesn't yeah. he? It's bonkers. I remember I was over in 2014 and he got that 100 at Lords against Sri Lanka in the one day. And I was there at the game and that was pretty special to watch as well. So. Was that the one with the man cad? Is that right? Same that? series as that one. He got 100 at Laws. That was his first ODI right, 100. Yeah, that was yeah. one where it was really close at the end. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, sort of like his announcement. Josh Butler scored a 50-ball 100. Um, he's quite good. He makes six hitting look so easy. So as England fans, I think we get spoiled about how, how good he is. Owen Morgan said this week that the uh, gaps in between these freak Butler performances are becoming smaller and smaller. Um, are you, do you get like a bit jealous watching somebody hit the ball to the into the stands yeah, so regularly bowling wide Yorkers and he's hitting him over mid off for six <laughs> I'm just like okay I'll be leaving them um, no he's he's a, a serious player and a bit worried about the World Cup with him there in form well there have been two ODIs so far the first one was uh, being played as we recorded last week's podcast it was washed out after the 19 overs Joffre Archer bowled four overs of express pace with control and with movement he impressed so much 
that he was left out of the second ODI. Seemingly, the selectors have gone, well, we've seen enough. That's all done and dusted. Now, Archer will be in that 15-man squad, won't he, Ben? Yeah, I guess so. The question is just who who they leave out. Will it be, like, which of the quicks will be? Will it be any? Will they leave out Joe Denley? Um, I don't really know which way I'd go at this point. I'd probably leave until the end of the series, but I guess what they'll do as well. But, yeah. If you had to pick now, who would it be? Uh, it would be Liam Plunkett. Oh. I mean, David Willey bowled very well, I thought. His stock definitely rose in that last ODI. Yeah, I guess the thing is, is with a squad and a fast bowling unit, to use that word, uh, you're looking for people who answer different questions at different times. I think David Willey, although he might not be as good a one-day bowler as Plunkett, he does answer different questions. So he'd like you can see more times he might be selected over Plunkett, whereas... Plunkett doesn't have maybe a niche anymore, I guess. Pakistan looked quite good. They had England worried. Um, Fakir Zaman hit 130-odd. He looked brilliant. He loves playing in England. He was uh, brilliant in the Champions Trophy two years ago. Um, and a player who you might not have heard or seen much of before, Asif Ali, kept things very interesting at the end. Ben, he's not in the 15-man squad, but do you think that there's... Um, do you think he will be? Well, there's definitely an argument. I mean, that's where Pakistan have really struggled. They've got a really good consistent top order Imam al-Haq has been really consistent as has I mean Fakir Zaman is the one who's really aggressive but he's like obviously doing it at the beginning and you need someone to finish it off and then Babar Zam so they're getting really really good starts they just don't have anyone really who's kicking it on and taking it into those sort of those really really huge totals so although he's not like he's not that consistent he is that player who can maybe turn it on and get them to like 350 scores which might be needed to Mm. get you into the, the semi-finals of the World Cup so I think he maybe should be. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Mohamed Amir as well, who's... He's so, got chicken pox. Yeah, exactly. So he missed the second game. Looks like he's going to miss the third game with chicken pox. And he's, not, he's also not in the original squad mm. and sort of needed to impress and is going to get maybe two games to do it. And we could have a World Cup without Mohamed Amir, which is amazing thinking that when he was here for the Champions ago. Trophy, yeah. yeah, and was bowling him to victory in the final. It's, yeah. I thought you made a really good point on the train over here that when teams get 350 an innings feels so long so like Roy hits 60-70 and by the end of the innings you've totally forgotten it um, and I think that with Pakistan that even after Fakir Zaman's innings they were still so far away from England's total they needed something somebody like Asif Ali to come in and basically take the baton and continue the uh, the run chase in the vein that Zaman was playing in um, have you guys seen the video on Twitter that's got Pakistan Twitter very annoyed? There's a video of Liam Plunkett kind of scratching away at the ball. Lots of people. Yeah, I saw it. happy about this. Yeah, didn't didn't really like come to an opinion on whether he was or not, but people seem to think he wasn't. So, I mean, it seems probably not like the best the best way to to do it. I don't really know. It didn't seem like he was doing it that much force. Well, I mean, the ICC have said there was nothing yeah, untoward sure, going on. Yeah. So, I think. That's, that's pretty well, I guess, much I guess the, said, one, the eh? one thing that's maybe interesting in it is that you don't often get players from the home team showing up on the cameras. They'll show the away side and they won't show the home side doing it if, if they ever are. And it's almost like the power is in the people who hold the cameras and their bills are being paid by the host boards. They don't want to do something that upsets them. Yeah. Uh, but this this is an instance of, of Sky doing it, even though it's the ECB who are, who are paying the bills. So I guess there's a tiny bit of interest there, but I don't think he's done anything. Also, don't really mind about ball tampering in general, so... You don't mind about ball tampering? Well, I mean, I mean, I think it makes for exciting cricket is the thing. So I think it's not it's not a huge crime if he hasn't anything. And I don't think he has. I mean, we're going to talk about it later. But since you've brought up ball tampering now, um, Matt, you played in the test match off the ball tampering scandal. Um, there's an amazing photo of you on Twitter arriving at the airport after the... 
when you've been called up to the squad and you look like the happiest person alive because obviously you've just got an Australia call up for you that would have been an amazing opportunity right coming into a test side opportunity to cement your place in the side what was the dressing room like in that time because it must have been pretty you know de- de- dejected atmosphere elsewhere it must have been a very weird yeah, time I, I don't know if where that photo is I've, not, I've never seen the, that photo but um no, I, I wouldn't say I was happy. It was a, a weird sort of time to be a, a cricketer and especially to go over there at that time was probably one of the most interesting things in my, my small cricket career at the moment. But um, no, it was it was just a really weird feeling around the group. We still had one test match to play, but it was so everyone was so down from the last couple of weeks that sort of made everything a bit weird. We had the three guys miss out, then... Darren Lehman stood down the day before the game and and so we're all a bit just like everything else was going on and then there was just cricket in the background as well was it hard to concentrate and prepare yourself properly for a test match I was I was exhausted um I was in jet lag right yeah I was I flew in two days before the game started had one training session and then I was I was had a few sleeping pills and a few red bulls to try and keep me going but I was so exhausted I was I was going to bed about eight thirty every night. Just I was, I was so tired. We I played five a five day game literally three days before that as well. So it was I was coming off a, a big couple of months, and then going into that was was something else as well. Was that was that the Shield final that you just played? Yeah, yeah. We we won the Shield final, and I flew out that night. And you got runs in that, right? Um, yeah, eighty I think in the second innings, yeah. not out. So yeah, must must especially because that that was I guess an odd season for you in a way that you started it. Like, so, you, so you'd had the tours in India and Bangladesh where you'd sort of, like, people had been impressed, but you'd been like, like I don't know, maybe gone into shell a bit, I feel like you've said, in the past. And then you started that season, didn't get that many runs. But it feels like with the Sheffield Shield is, it's like almost like two seasons. You've got like the five games at the beginning or whatever and the five games at the end. And you've got like five games basically to do something. And if you don't, then like you're struggling to get picked and it just feels like such a high pressure competition in that way yeah it's because you've only got 10 games yeah. you've got um so five before christmas then big bash during christmas and then five after and then potentially a final it's it's all pretty full-on and and you're, you're trying to score runs it just sometimes doesn't work and and i think that's the i think that's the beauty of the competition is how tough it is because there's only six sides like obviously county creek you've got a lot more sides and and that brings another challenge in itself but having six sides and and playing 10 games a season is is a big challenge so do you think the standard is higher over there because you've got all the talent i guess condensed between the teams i wouldn't say the standard's higher it's just a bit more compact and and you've got the when you've got test guys away then that's when the you really need a good strong squad but no the the challenge here as well is the fact you play so much cricket um with the one day as we had day on travel day on travel you wouldn't have that in australia because there's so few teams you have a bigger bigger break between games i mean we're talking about it so we might as well talk more in depth about uh, what it's like playing in australia and what it's like playing in the uk there's a lot is made about australian cricket culture and how you know the, the great cricketer on twitter and facebook they're great and a lot is made about like the, the chat the banter horrible word that you get in australia cricket is it how does it compare between uh, a grade cricket and then professional australian cricket and then county cricket here um, well, grade cricket for me was always a lot of fun because I was always the smallest and youngest guy. So whenever I came up against a team, if they took a bit long to get me out, they'd start sledging me and and just the standard sort of stuff because I was so young. That I think the best one I ever got was, um, what did your mum and dad pack you for lunch today? 
And um, what flavor flavor orange juice did you get, or what flavor juice did you get today? Um, Where's the punchline? Yeah, I was I was sort of just like, oh, I just got like orange or something. I can't, <laughs> I can't remember like it being too. I, was, I think I was fourteen or fifteen, so yeah. it wasn't too crazy. But um, <laughs> no, it. So you you sort of come up through that, and then you play Shield cricket where you've got some of the best players in the world, and and obviously the standards pretty pretty strong, and and people are playing for for their spots and. There's obviously a bit of tussle here and there if you get a couple of sort of guys going at each other, which is at times can be fun. At times, if it gets a bit too personal, then obviously everyone sort of takes a step back and, and no one wants to cross that personal line. I've, for, for me, the, there's a line and, and as soon as you get personal, that's when you sort of need to take a step back. But if you're trying to put someone off, the, the point of sledging is to put someone off what they're trying to trying to do. They want you to, They want you to think something that you shouldn't. And I think that's where sledging is, is really good and if you're trying to get them to do that, whereas if you start going at someone's personal or family, that's when I think you should draw the line. Has it ever got personal in, involving you or have you seen it get personal, I guess? Um, I've, I've seen it a little bit, not too much, but it's it's just if people get fired up and, and two people are going at each other, it's, it's sort of that ego where you've got to try and outdo someone, but... Um, no, I think I think generally the the line's pretty good and 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 everyone knows each other pretty well because you've only got the six teams and everyone knows each other. You've played against each other plenty of times now, where you can sort of go, okay, like sometimes it's even two mates just going at each other because it's it's just fun. And also, I guess from an outsider's perspective, they just see two professional cricketers have you go at each other, but they don't know that they're actually mates and they're not taking themselves that seriously. Yeah, definitely. When you were younger, when you were 14 and people were asking you what your parents had packed you for lunch, do you reckon experiences like that, not that specific example, did that toughen you up for when you then go on to play professional cricket and then playing for Australia? Yeah, I think so. I think that that definitely helped. It's I always seem to get in and being sort of my personality quite outgoing you generally get a little bit of that here and there anyway but um no it's it's i think it's quite enjoyable if someone's sort of trying to sledge me and um sometimes gets me in the fight a lot a lot more than probably if no one was saying a word to me anyway do you give much back um not when i'm batting um i try not to when i'm batting because i'm trying to think about my batting but if I'm if I'm fielding and someone's given me a couple, I I won't forget it very quickly. Okay, and is is that is that line how universal a thing you think that is? I, mean, I guess especially in England, is it is it sort of the same where people will try and get in someone's head from like a like a game point of view, but they won't go to a person sort of thing? Or do you think the sledging culture is completely different between here and Australia? Uh, I think it's all all pretty similar wherever you play cricket. It's it's people trying to get each other out, whether that's the bowler or the fielders, and. Um, you're going to try and do everything you can to, to stop the, the batsman screen run. So you're going to throw a little bit here and there, but I think it's all pretty similar around the world. On the subject of your concentration, like when, when you're batting, there was something you said in an interview last year with Wisdom Cricket Monthly that you like sing a song in your head between deliveries. I think at that point it was something by Childish Gambino. What, what What's the song at the moment? That you- um, there's no real song at the moment. It's just whatever I'm listening to before I go out to bat. I've been... I've been batting three at the moment for for Kent, which has been another different sort of challenge for me. But um, waiting to bat, obviously, I've got I've tried to put some music on in the background, and so it's just on shuffle. and And anything that comes on, if that sticks, I'm sort of like, okay, just keep looping that over. 
Is there ever been one that you're like, I wish it wasn't this song? Or like, I think I had Abba um, comes on just before you come up to bat. I think I had Umbop one day and I was just <laughs> like, oh, this is terrible. How old are you? You're still 23? 23. 23. But one of your career highlights is um, you scored a 50 in a test match in India. Yeah. Um, and we're talking about different cultures and how, you know, in Australia, people might see some things in a different way and their attitude might be different. Um so we've we've got to talk about it. So you had a little incident, right? When you when you're out to bat. Yeah. Um talk talk us through. You what, what were you thinking at the time? Um I was thinking where's the closest <laughs> toilet? Um at that point I was sort of thinking I should start a petition where there's a portaloo at every <laughs> sort of at the edge of the field just so you can just go off if you need the toilet. But um no, it's it's uh it's a quite a funny story. It's Part of me wishes it never happened. Part of me wishes I might have stayed out there and seen what happened. That, that would have been so much worse. I think it would have been worse, <laughs> but I think the story would have been a lot better. Like rather, rather than just running off to go to the toilet, you, you stay out there and you keep batting and then all of a sudden it just comes down. How, how close were you to an on-field incident? Very close. Um, <laughs> I was running off and it was weird because we just lost a wicket i think at the end of the over i probably was going to go anyway but the fact we lost a wicket and steve smith was walking out to bat sean marsh was up in the dressing room thinking he was next in and i just start running off the field and and he's sort of padding up quickly run, running on the field as well we sort of lose two for none there if you think about it and and i just remember going i need to go to the toilet and everyone was sort of just like well what like what do you I'm like, mate, I, I need to go. Can I retire hurt? And I've run round. I still remember in Pune, you run round and our dressing room was on the right. India's was on the left. So I ran round and then it was sort of like this little zigzag through to get to the toilet. And when you get to the toilet, there's tiles. And I'd forgotten this in my sprinting. I need the toilet. And I was ripping my pads off, like ripping everything off. And I get to the tiles and just slip over oh. and land. land. I'm just like... I just got up straight away, like didn't even think about it, and it was just like I just need the toilet. That, that's extraordinary. That's an incredible story. So, I mean, I, I oh, sorry. Well, very quickly, what did you tell the umpire when you're running off? I said, "Can I retire her?" <laughs> and he was like, "You can retire." And I'm like, "No, no. Can I retire her? Because obviously, if I retire, I'm out." Yeah. I'm like, "No, I, I'm, I can't have that. I'm, I'm not going to be. If I had to retire out, I'd probably. You would have yeah. seen a lot more than just me <laughs> running off. Um, and then I was just like, as soon as he said, yes, you can retire her, I was gone. And then Smithy's like, no, no, come back. I'm like, Smithy, this is, this is really important that I run. <laughs> and he was like, okay, go then. And I think he was quite angry at me just because he was so confused about what was going on. And then I just bolted. Ben, do you have some of the reactions well, from around yeah, the world? So I, was, I, was, I was reading this, like just the quotes again today. So the, what, my favorite reaction is actually uh, Sanjay Banger, who's the, uh, the Indian batting coach said that uh, things like that really uh, add to the colour of test cricket, which is quite a literal description of what, <laughs> yeah. what would happen if you stayed out there. Uh, but just the, the reaction from some of the, I guess, the ex-Aussie players, basically saying that you should have just stayed there and shit yourself, basically. So Alan Border saying whatever, like, I hope, he's, I hope he's half dead in there. And that sort of thing. It's just, it just seems like... And like I remember we were all watching this thing, like, oh, yeah, kind of understandable. And then you see that, and it's like, I just, that, that reaction just... I just couldn't couldn't fathom it basically like what i guess what did you make of the reaction and do you think like that almost like is, is there something deeply australian in that sort of reaction or is it just a couple of people who no i think shit themselves? i think if i'd have um if i'd have stayed out there it probably would have 
would have maybe people might have had a go at me for staying out there yeah. but um no i think whatever you do and especially in life people some people are going to have some opinions but at the end of the day i was pretty happy with my decision to to get off that field because uh, it would have been we might be sitting here talking about something else and maybe my um sponsorship with a nappy brand or something <laughs> like that you don't you don't really strike me as somebody who cares that much what those people were saying so like when you Alan Border former Australian captain great one of the greats of the game when he's saying that do you, did you care? A little bit like yeah. um, this is one of the, the greats of Australian cricket he was captain um, but it's such a ridiculous thing to say but I was <laughs> yeah I, I, I'm just happy I got to the toilet to be honest with you <laughs> that's the name of this episode <laughs> um, fantastic so also I mean let's pay a bit of credit to that knock to start with which was what 64 so you top scored in the first innings of one of Australia's greatest ever overseas wins which must be and I mean I guess the thing is so so that that tour it felt like you were staying out for a lot of time quite a lot of time uh, and that you maybe got a bit of reputation as like a a grafter throughout your innings but then there have been occasions so you scored what a triple hundred in a grade cricket game last year and you got a hundred before lunch against Yorkshire I guess the question is sort of two things like do you see yourself as a grafter and also, what makes you kind of flick the switch? Like, against, say, that game against Yorkshire, was it just one shot that came off the bat? Like, how, why do you suddenly feel you can just, like, basically hit every ball for four or six? Um, I think I probably see myself as a grafter. Um, in the last few years, playing a bit more one day and, and 2020 cricket, that's when I started becoming a bit more confident with my game of, of playing some shots. But now the one against Yorkshire last year, I think the week before, we'd. Um, James Hildreth had scored 100 and, and he'd played a few shots and and I sort of was like okay maybe this is like the best way to go and I was batting with him at the time actually and I was sort of like should we just start playing some shots because it's, it's n- like nibbling around loads and we're not sure if like if we block one we might nick that one so may as well die trying really and, and it sort of just came off and I got a bit lucky here and there but um no, it was it was just a weird sort of day that one. I, I don't I don't think I'd be able to recreate it my rest of my career. Is playing more white ball cricket an aspiration? So you've only played ten T Twenty games. Looking at it today, is is that something you want to do more and more of? Yeah, definitely. Um, I really enjoyed my um stint with the Big Bash in the Brisbane Heat this year. Um, playing a few more games and and learning a lot more. It's it's been sort of. I, I, it was weird when I was in the test side and I wasn't with a twenty tw- a big bash side at all, which was everyone was sort of like, oh, that's that's strange. But um, no, it, it's the way cricket's going a little bit, and and to be able to have the opportunity, like you talk to guys who go to the IPL, if if I could go to the IPL and and you talk the guys they play with there is is something that would be a, a great opportunity to do as well. Do you think that the fact that you you've got this reputation is this? excellent red ball opener who grafts that almost hinders uh your reputation in white ball cricket even though you are capable of being destructive when you want to be uh, i think it has in the past um it's probably changing a little bit now that i'm playing a bit more white ball cricket and and people are seeing me a, a little bit in that in that format but no i think in the when i was a bit younger everyone was sort of oh you can only sort of go in that one gear but i'd get to 100 and i just i'd I'd obviously be feeling pretty good at 100 that I could start scoring quite quickly after that. And I guess on on that that Yorkshire 100, I mean, just how challenging were those conditions? Because you're a guy who's, what, batted for 10 hours in Test cricket again in that 100 against Pakistan and to have to sort of 
go away from your natural game because it's just so tough to bat is like I guess how tough was it and have you seen anything like that before or since yeah I think you you see it over here quite a lot and and sometimes that's the the way to go sometimes it's not sometimes go the other way and and try and defend a lot more than than what you play a shot but um it just seemed to to all come into to fruition that day and and work but another day I'm, I'm getting out first ball trying to or getting out for a low score trying to play one of those shots and i think it's just one of those things with cricket is is so luck to luck driven um let's talk about the ipl the ipl is finally over it feels like an age since we started talking about it on the podcast like literally two months ago um both the men's and the women's finals went down to the last ball in the women's final harman precor scored 51 to set the supernovas up for a last ball victory over velocity um but ben the round-robin game between Velocity and the Trailblazers caught your attention too. It's quite interesting. Yeah, so it was just just three teams in the tournament of three, so three-team round-robin. The, the Trailblazers needed 117, I think, to get their net run rate high enough that they would uh, get into the final. And so they basically crawl to that, didn't really try and chase the target. And yeah, so that's the main point. They didn't actually try to yeah. win. They just accepted that the net run rate target was all they needed to qualify. And so they were chasing they were 143, I think. So it wasn't outside the realms of possibility. And then they ended up three wickets down. And they were basically on the rate as well up until Danny Wyatt's dismissal. It's, 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 it's an interesting one because I feel like if this was, like if, if, if it was men's cricket uh, and a team played for the net run rate that they knew would guarantee them a place in the final, we wouldn't even question it. And I think we would. Well, I think... I mean, okay, I, I don't think I would question it uh, personally. Whereas in this instance, I feel not, I don't know if I, if they've done the wrong thing. It's just slightly just disappointing, I think. Uh, not not disappointing with the players, it's just disappointing that it had to come to this. Maybe it's a flaw in the tournament structure or in the way of deciding between two teams. But just so, Mitali Raj said something about how this was their chance to sort of attract eyeballs and get attention to the game. And for the fans who went there, to see a team doing that it's it, it, it's not it's I mean it's not it's not hugely damaging for the game and maybe it's for the women's game it's good that it gets sort of more professional and, and cutthroat but I think there's something of an opportunity missed there but it shows that they're taking the competition as seriously as possible they're not doing it because oh it's an exhibition let's do this for a bit of good PR yeah. they're doing this, this is an actual cricket competition they want to win yeah yeah that that, that that's true I, I guess I guess you you wonder I mean I, I think like a lot of cricket players are maybe waking up to the fact that they have a duty to entertain as well as to win games. I think England have been quite, the England men's team and the women's team have been upfront about the fact that they have got to recapture maybe the, the, the younger generation and to do that they've got to play exciting cricket and that sometimes you've got to maybe go a bit more exciting and maybe, maybe that risks the results slightly more. Um, I mean, we've got a professional cricketer here. Have you ever thought I've got a duty to entertain or are you generally just focused on winning? I think it sort of comes in in both sort of come together. Like if you're if you're trying to win, generally uh, you're entertaining. Um, I'd, I've I've never heard of that. Like you you try not to to win a game. To you obviously want to try and win every game you play. Well, I, personally, I do. I don't want to go and play and lose. But you don't really see the the score that you need for a run rate. Like obviously run rates come into it in a lot of competitions, but the the run rate's always like, oh, you need to chase like 180 and 11 overs or something like that to yeah. just sort of qualify. It's never, oh, you need to get 113 in, in 20 overs. It's sort of like, oh, okay. Like, but I can, I can see why, why they wouldn't make sure that they qualified for the final and then mm. like make sure you qualify and then try and win it. But no, I think 
you you sort of have that sort of entertain and win in in the sort of same compass. Um, talking about entertainment, the men's final was an epic. Chennai Super Kings needed two to win off the last ball, and then Lassie Malinga was the, he was a bowler, and he bowled a trademark slow ball Yorker to trap Shardul Thacker in front, meaning that the Mumbai Indians won by one run. I was quite interested by, and I got quite a lot of stick for this on Twitter for saying it. So I think MS Dhoni, who scored two of eight in the final, they lost by one run. Him scoring two of eight was essentially a match losing innings. No one doubts his ability as a finisher. There have been few better in the history of the game. But when you start so slowly, so regularly, there is always a danger that you might get out and leave your team in a bit of a hole. Um, he's very happy to eat up a few dot balls. Is it arrogance? Does he just back himself to know that he, knowing that he can make the runs up later? Or is it that he genuinely can't milk singles that easily? Well, for me, yesterday, I think Mumbai Indians bowled really, really well. I think, I think yesterday that was the case. And I think, so you've obviously been... Uh, banging on this drum for, for quite a long time and, yeah. and I, I have been with you and I think he's answered quite a lot of the questions so he, he had a brilliant season I think he was averaging like, 80s. Yeah. 80s yeah uh, and I, so I can't criticise him too much yeah I, I feel like that there is perhaps an argument to be made but I still think he's probably the best option and I don't think it's ever arrogance I think it is perhaps uh, an inability sometimes to rotate the strike or sometimes we just give some some credit to to the bowlers and to a brilliant bowling attack with some young, uncapped, exciting Indian players and Jasper Brummer, who is amazing. He's I've, so good, isn't he? For, for me, what was a really lovely moment in that final was the last ball of the 19th over was uh, uh, he bowled a bouncer that went, uh, like the batsman missed it and Decock missed it behind the stumps and went for four runs. And so at that point, or four buys, and that point they needed nine to win. So you think that's yeah. like a game-turning moment. And Brummer's just like all smiles, goes to Decock, puts an arm around her shoulder, like not not even like a consoling arm, just like it doesn't matter, it's just a game sort yeah. of thing. It, it was just, it was just really lovely to see. And the he, spirit you know, of cricket, eh? Yeah, the spirit, spirit of, of cricket. Um, do, do you want to know my moment of the week? Oh yeah, okay, go for it. It was just watching Mason Crane bowl yesterday. Um, he's had a very difficult eighteen months since making his Test debut, and he he was bowling brilliantly. And I hate to compare two leg leg spinners, but having watched Crane and Parkinson bowl in the same game, I thought. Crane is so so much more exciting, I think. The way he attacks the crease with a lot more pace. He was great. So when you made your test debut, Matt, um, one of the things talked most about in England wasn't the fact that you're a 20-year-old classical opening batsman making his test debut. It was the fact that you're born in England. Um, so you were born in Middlesbrough, right? Yeah. And you lived... Hence Newcastle fan. Hence yeah. Newcastle fan. And, you've, and you lived your first, what, six years? In England? Yeah, my first seven years. So I lived for, in Middlesbrough for five years. Yeah. And then Sheffield for two years. Where your family got to know the roots? Yeah. That must be... Are you in touch with them at all? A um, bit more with Bill. Obviously, Joe's a bit more high profile and, yeah. and quite busy. But um, no, we've had um, Bill come out to Australia, play club cricket in Australia, my club, a couple of times. And, and he stayed at, stayed at our place. Obviously, your your Middlesbrough accent didn't survive the trip across to Australia. Um, I was wondering, how, how's your Yorkshire accent today? If you could do a Yorkshire accent, I can't do accents. So if, no. if, if Ben did one first, and then you followed, yeah, so I was going to have to do one. Yeah. So <laughs> right, we'll all do it. So Ben, could you please say, "My grandma could play that with a stick of rhubarb." My grandma couldn't that with a stick of rhubarb. Is that Yorkshire? That'll do. I mean, it can't, it can't be much worse than that. Jeez, I'm. <laughs> pressure I'd rather face a new ball um, <laughs> I just need I'm trying to think I'll, I'll when give I think, when I think accents I think of Game of Thrones if I have to do a Nord yeah so it's a Jon Snow accent Jon Snow 
Um, <laughs> Grandma could nip that with a stick of rhubarb. That's much better than Ben. Well done. Well done. A true Yorkshireman. My grandma could knit that with a stick of rhubarb. It's not mad. That's pretty good. Well, I actually have a semi-serious point on the the like i guess having been born in england and going to australia because i mean i guess in england we feel like we're constantly kind of having crises of sort of national identity and like whenever anyone from south korea is singing the joffre archer whenever, whenever we do a tweet about joffre archer there'll be a reply and we will say english fast bowler joffre archer some will say he's not he's not english and jonathan tries the same they'll say oh it's shame he's african born or whatever was there was there any of that in australia or do you think it's a peculiarly english thing was no i think whenever whenever my name was mentioned or it probably still is um it always says english born um which i can't control where i was born i can't control that my mom and dad decided to move to australia when i was um young but i'm like it it's obviously hard like having if you come a bit later when i was young and and there's guys in the in the queensland set up like manus labuchane who was born in south africa and he moved when he was quite young as well but we like it's it's something you just can't really control and do, do the fans ever uh, d- is it something that they that they say that they raise do you, do, you, do you see it on twitter or on that sort of thing no no it's, it's to be honest it's probably more my mates who say some stuff like <laughs> that or, or the guys over here like um i know mitch clayton he playing for kent he's um was born in australia and, and grew up there and and so he sort of likes to pick and choose when he's english and when he's australian and i think that's quite funny is, is there any part of you that felt English when you were 20 and you were get winning your first Australia call-up? No, not not when I was that old, no. When I was younger and obviously mum and dad and, and my sister are all English as well. They've got pretty strong accents and then there's me. Um, it's quite a it's quite a weird sort of thing thinking about playing for Australia, but then you, you start playing and meeting some of the guys, you're... You're definitely and you're definitely Australian. I mean, you've lived almost your entire memorable life in Australia. So yeah, I've I've, I've lived yeah. more in Australia than anywhere. I lived in New Zealand for four years as well. So um, couldn't quite get the New Zealand um, passport, but got had an accent at one point, which was awful. Won't was, ask you to do that. No, one. no thank you. <laughs> thank you. A, a, a serious question. Um, I was looking this up today, and you, you're the holder of quite an impressive stat. You have more test runs for Australia than anyone who's ever played the game before the age of twenty-one. More than Bradman, more than Ponty, more than all of, all all of the all of the great names. So my question is: being uh, when you were twenty twenty-one and doing so well when you first got on the side and getting people talking about you as if oh this guy's going to play for Australia for the next fifteen years almost as a given. What was that like hearing when you were still a young guy just working out your own game? Yeah, part of me was sort of just like, oh, just wait, I'm going to start nicking off soon. <laughs> um, but obviously when you I had a pretty good run there and and that was nice to, to be able to do that. But, you you know, cricket's such a, a fickle game that you could be you could be in, out of the side in six months. And I was at that point. Um, but no, it was it was sort of a, a different experience as as a 20, 21 year old than what I feel other people have had and, and that's probably made me have to mature quite quickly compared to what say my, my mates away from the professional cricket scene is and, and I think that's it's quite tough sometimes seeing them and going geez you're, you're immature but I was literally them three years ago as well probably even more mm. more immature than them but then there's times where you can just sort of let let the hair down and, and have a have a lot of fun with your other mates. And when you go through a lean spell do you find that almost having had such a good start makes it not hard to do from the personal point of view but like the the media will be like 
sort of almost they're they're more focused on it. I think Ben Duckett's something similar that like once you get a national call up, then when you come back to county cricket, you're expected to score runs basically every time. Was that something you struggled with at all? Or yeah, a little bit. Um, I remember I was speaking to Alistair Cook last year about it, um, about what the difference between like we had a long chat about it all and the difference between county cricket and test cricket. And he said as soon as you make your test debut. He's, he compares it, you know, the BBC Sport like box and it tells you who who's doing well in yeah. the county wrap up. Your name is always in there once you play it play a test. And so I think that your name is always gonna be there or thereabouts if you've had a had a go and, and that's probably the hard part, whereas you can't just slip under the radar like how I came into the side and sort of get in that way. You you're always gonna be your name's always gonna be up there. Yeah, it's like your name before your name pops up when you do really well. And now your name pops up every time, which cricket most of the time is yeah. getting a low score. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what else you talked about? Let's talk about just about his experiences with batting and and his experiences growing up. Obviously, coming starting in a different time. He's, I'm starting where there's media is a lot more um, higher profile, whereas the media back then was sort of just covering the games and all that sort of thing. And and then just about batting and and how he approaches a, a game or a series or something like that, and and just trying to take a few little things from him. He's obviously such a such a great cricketer still to to this day in, in my opinion yeah and i'm right thinking you, you delayed your flight home so you you just you, you, you do you get an injury when you're playing somerset and yeah then... I, I broke my finger the day before the surrey game yeah. uh played that game and without knowing it was broken um had an x-ray and and cricket australia wanted me to fly home and and i didn't have any mode of transport i was on the team bus with the with the guys and and so we were going to Essex straight from Surrey and I sort of looked looked to see if Cook was going to play and I was like um there's a there's an opportunity here for me to have a a, a chat with him it, I think it was probably I'd go home and and just sit down really and so I was like okay we'll book the flights but I want to have a couple of days in in Essex and talk to him as well yeah do you think do, do would you describe yourself as a bit of a a badger do you think you think about your own game really deeply um i i can be i can be completely the opposite and not think about cricket at all but i think most of the time it's it's thinking about cricket and and working out ways obviously it it comes a bit more if you're if you're not scoring runs and you're in the spotlight at at one point i think i'd finish a game of cricket not scoring runs come home and just sit on twitter and just read everything and and that i I probably wasn't in a great mental state at that point and i remember my my girlfriend we were watching a movie or something and she just grabbed my phone and just took it upstairs and and came back down i was just sitting on there reading everything and I think that was one of the things he, he said he doesn't read any of that sort of thing, which is, is great. That's really interesting because Ben Duckett, when he was on, he said something very similar. I, I asked him the same question. What, why are you on social media then if it is that toxic? I think, um, so I, I was very close to deleting everything um, at the start of the, uh, at the end of last year. I was sort of just at a stage where I was like, I just want to delete everything, like, here and keep probably my I've got a private Facebook keep that and and so I can use it to talk to my mates but I think the the value of it is 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 pretty significant that you can reach out a a fair fairly big group of of people and and supporters that probably you wouldn't be able to do in like back in the days you probably had to put a newspaper article to to reach Mm. people but um no I think with it's hard because with Twitter, it's because it's all your personal things. Because I'm such a cricket, I'd say cricket badger. I'm getting loads of cricket stuff, and there's going to be something about me here and there. 
And if I'm doing well, I feel like I have to read it. I like you want to read stuff that's written about you that's good because like it makes you feel good. And then because I was reading the good stuff, I'd get a bad article and I'd be like, okay, like I want to read this because I'm reading. I felt I had to read the bad stuff because I was reading the good stuff. What's it like reading about your own innings and stuff? Because sometimes cricket writers will attribute some sort of narrative that could be complete crap basically about how you've overcome this lean spell or whatever and how you finally cracked it was for you actually on the pitch you, you know you just were, were batting better and not there's not this narrative behind it that was that weird yeah do you have just read something and go that's bollocks yeah basically. there's a there's been a few times where that's happened and uh, sometimes it's like he gets caught at cover and it's like i got caught at like third slip or something like that it's like have you even watched the game and they're like <laughs> describing how i looked terrible when i was batting and then they tell me how i got out was completely wrong and then you're just like okay like but i i experienced it probably like as a supporter of other sports you read things and you're like okay that's what happened you sort of take that as gospel and then you it happens to you and you're like well that's not right maybe some other things that you read about other sports are wrong as well do you still read articles about you here and there um if it's not about cricket i'll i'll read it like if it's something about if i've done an interview with someone and i want to see what they've written about me because obviously there's quotes but you you want to see what else they've written about you but if it's anything to do with like how i went during a match i'll try to try to avoid it but here and there you've got it you you read them as well yeah just having heard what you and what Duckett said a few weeks ago if i was a creek player i would 100 percent not have twitter yeah the other ones facebook and instagram i would still have but twitter is so toxic yeah i actually deleted at last end of i think so the shield seasons five six games and five four games i think by the second game last year i deleted my twitter uh, the app i deleted the mm. app and the cricket australia like the ecb app the cricket australia app mm. and just because every night i'd be sitting there watching all the like because all the games are going on once you watch all the wickets then you watch all the run like highlights and you just get caught up in in living on this phone that you just keep staring at when you need to not think about the game um matt we've been quite rude we've not asked ben about his moment of the week. <laughs> ben ben what is your moment of the week so well i don't know if my moment of the week is Sanamir's spell or the the final tie it probably is the tie so, be the tie so South Africa and Pakistan women played an ODI series in South Africa uh, and the first game uh, Pakistan bowled them out what for 60 something like that and they yeah. won with 38 overs spare. yeah so Pakistan's biggest ever win uh, like the second last host they bowled someone out for uh, and then the last game it kind of looked so South Africa made Two two fifty six, I think, and it would have uh, Pakistan's record ever chased if they got there. And so you kind of just think, I mean, South Africa have a brilliant bowling attack; they're never going to get there, and they almost did. Basically, they uh, it was a tie. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and I mean, uh, the, I think that the, the thing that really stuck out for me about that game, well, firstly, uh, Javeria Khan is absolutely brilliant and is going to be a, a superstar, and is the kind of player that, like, because I mean, the the nature of of cricket in general but women's cricket is that like it can just be a couple of performances like in that in the world t20 if they had just won like one more game they probably would have been in the in the semi-finals and she's the kind of player that could kind of get them into a, a knockout stage at some point and it looks like they'll <coughs> potentially automatically qualify for the for the next world cup yes well because uh last time round india uh forfeited their three match series against them in the championship and if they do that again they will be very, very close to, to qualifying. But I think, yeah, the other thing about that game was just to see Nashra Sandu at number 11 coming in and hit, hitting a six. Like, you don't get that many sixes from tail enders in, in, in women's cricket. So you just kind of assume the game was gone when the rate got above 
to a ball. So it was it was an astonishing game. And I guess just a, a word for Sanamir, who's now the the leading wicket taking spinner in women's ODIs and has been there since the start. Is like a, an an inspiration and a, quite quite it's quite a, a good time for them to perform well as well. Shahid Afridi is extracts from his biography and he's saying a ridiculous that, uh, book by all the just judging from the extracts coming out. Yeah, is saying that he wouldn't wouldn't let his daughters play any sport outside and. Uh, I think Pakistan women are showing what 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 <laughs> what crap that is basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, el- elsewhere in in the world of cricket this week, um, Scotland were robbed yet again by the weather. Uh, Scotland played Afghanistan and they lost by two runs on the Duckworth Lewis Stern method. Um, it's one one of those games where you actually think that although I wouldn't say the method is wrong, but you think in that scenario. Scotland were probably on top. Well, yeah, I mean, it's... They just a, got Shah out, didn't they, who got 100 for Afghanistan. Yeah, and partly, like, the nature of, of Afghanistan seemed that they're a very, very good one-day side, but normally bowler heavy, and they, they have batsmen who can bat through, maybe not the ones that can mm. that can hit big at the end. So I thought I thought, I thought the rate was slightly beyond them, but I also thought DLS would be slightly in their favour. It was a, it was a weird one, but yeah, Scotland, Scotland, and Shea Robin, Callum McLeod, again, scorched another 100. He just... It's 8th ODI 100. Yeah, keeps, keeps rattling him off. Um, Against good teams as well. Yeah, he had a Warwickshire contract a while ago and now doesn't have a county contract, I guess, which is an odd one. You'd think someone would, would want to sign him Kent, up. Kent, sign him up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's superb. Um, some podcast-related news before we finish. Uh, number one, there will be a Wisden Club Cricket special podcast coming out later this week, hosted by the club cricket editor of Wisden Cricket Monthly, Rich Evans, on all the big issues in the amateur game. There'll be six club cricket specials spread across the summer, so stay tuned for them. Um, and now some really exciting news, really, really exciting news. World Cup's three weeks away. We're going daily. There's going to be a daily Wisden podcast. Um, we'll have an exciting array of guests. We'll be on the road. Have the odd live show. So don't just tell your friends about it. Shout from the rooftops. Um, Matt, it's been great having you on the show today. Really enjoyed it. That story you said earlier, that's going to live long in the memory. Thank you for having me. Cheers. It's been great. And Ben, thanks as ever for coming on. Thanks, yes. Cheers for listening, folks. If you enjoyed the pod, share it on the internet. Goodbye. See you next week. Podcast Network.